Hi! <laughs> I just yelled hi. This is pod- podcasting to perfection. I don't know how to start a podcast, and it, it was specifically given to me on this episode, the third of a series mm-hmm. where we talk about our favorite movie series, Tremors. And we have a fucking amazing guest. I'm so glad we have them here. Our guest is Poe. Ass blasters. <laughs> ah, yes. So this is the third movie, and this is where they introduce the ass blasters. It's also Michael Gross's favorite movie uh, in the series. Um, it does have some major thematic changes. It's called Back to Perfection. Poe, what's your favorite Tremors movie? Uh, Tremors 3. Yes. Back to Perfection. <laughs> Good, good answer. Good answer. <laughs> it is. It is my favorite in the series. Uh, it's a. It's a. It's a good wild romp. Uh, filled with some great comedic moments. Very much so. And your favorite word, I think. Oh, ass blaster is definitely my favorite word. <laughs> uh, I will be saying it way too many times tonight. Good. I expected that. Yeah. We want to talk about the ass blasters in great detail, but so something that stuck with me, we did a show a couple of weeks ago, uh, at the equality center. You were a comic. I was a host. Um, you, you had to fend off some, some drunk women. It's true. Who really, really wanted you to know that you look like a certain serial killer. You don't. Thank you. And that is a weird compliment. Yeah, which you covered, but it, yeah, I'm I'm I, I'm sorry for that. But you told me, you told me to go home and watch it, and I was like, Poe, I've of course I've watched it. Like yeah. I've, I've got a podcast about it. <laughs> yes. And you said, when was the last time you saw it? And I said, I think two days ago. And you said you should go watch it like fourteen more times. Yes. And I did. I did, and I get it now. You were on to something. I'm telling you. <laughs> you, you. The more you watch it, the more you realize that it's not just a great movie. Dare I say it, it's a cinematic masterpiece. It is. <laughs> it makes me want the Graboids to actually be alive in our... Uh, in our world, so we can have a planet Earth segments about them. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, I would love to see this. Um, what, uh, what is his name? Yeah, I'm trying to... David Attenborough. David Attenborough. I just really want that old Brit... And in here, the Graboid strikes furiously at the ground, missing the turtle dove. <laughs> the Graboid... The ass blaster. The ass blaster has taken his first of hopefully many flights. <laughs> and then there's just long cinematic music as you see a creature sailing into the distance. There's like a nice sunset. And yeah. He's <laughs> flying away with a. Giant flame right out of his bee hole. Yeah. A lighted fart is the only lighting in the scene. Yes. It'd be beautiful. And then it takes out a 
Grackle. Grackle. <laughs> I like Grackles, yeah. though. Well, he eats. He's got to eat. He's got to eat. it's true. Yeah. That's nature, so baby. So can sleep. <laughs> that's nature, baby. That's, that's <laughs> now the circle of life. That's a, uh, this is, this is a, uh, this is a new thing. That's nature, baby. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, speaking of fact, um, I do have a fact about Tremors Theory, actually. It is the only film in the series rated PG and not PG-13. Um, and there was actually a game announced around 2003, but it got canceled. And that's the only time a game has ever been presented about Tremors. I think we have some screens from the game that were leaked, but not really any footage. Um, I, I get the feeling it just wasn't good because there's been no gameplay footage released. Yeah, it must have been really bad, but I don't understand why they haven't touched on it since. False. There are... What? It was... It was too good. It was for this too world. good. <laughs> and uh, the the mafiosos in the video game world were just we can't let this happen. We gotta promote pay to play, and you just can't with the absolute masterpiece of this video game. So they shelved it like uh, ET. It was 2003. They must have been worried they would have to give Game of the Year to something other than Unreal Tournament of that year. Yeah. Or a Call of Duty game. It, I'm just yeah. saying you can combine them both. Yes. Call of Duty Trimmers. Un Unreal Tournament with Graboids. <laughs> Why not? Uh, I Make it happen, someone. Listen, I will... <laughs> I don't have any money... <laughs> But if I did, I would pay someone in so much love and kindness and small monetary gains to make this game just for me. And no matter how long it takes, we will bring back this podcast just to have you on it to then talk about it so that we can do we can help promote. Yes. <laughs> so this movie opens with. Bert and a news reporter. Um, Bert's taking out tons of shriekers with looks like yeah, it's a dual fifty cal aircraft gun. And I looked it up, and that gun is that is real and totally rad. You sit in the middle of it, and yeah. it's just. I think it's I think it's four total barrels. And that means that Michael Gross got to sit in a real one. Yeah, at least pretend like he was shooting it. I don't know if they actually did shoot it. I I assume it. I don't know what they do with 50 cal. I don't know if they can, can just shoot blanks. Oh, yeah. Or if it would still melt the barrels and stuff. <laughs> no, I Their budget was like $50 million for this. I'm pretty sure those are live rounds. <laughs> just shooting I into the desert. Did this have as high of a budget? Because... Yeah. I want to look up the budget for this because they used a, a lot of CG for things. Um, we'll probably get into that. Uh, let's see. Fast forward to uh, to perfection. It is noticeably different. Sorry, six million. Six million. Six million. So that would have been that gun, basically. Yeah. To, well, just to purchase it. So renting it, maybe. I think renting it, they probably. I don't know. Who knows? But maybe for such a masterpiece, they got like a really good deal because it was going to be in Tremors Three. It's only like two seconds of dropping brass. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I'm going with yeah. 
Live ass rounds. Live ass rounds. I know that to, there's one gun you can go shoot in Las Vegas that you pay by the uh, by the shell or by by the cartridge, and it costs like a hundred dollars per second to run it. It's a uh, I don't know some sort of saw or you know other anti tank weapon that just shoots super fast, like you've seen in Predator. Yeah, Predator 1. Yeah. That gun. But, uh... So, we, what we notice in Perfection, how different it is, is that Chang's... Is it Chang's niece? Yes, it is his niece. She's running the store. Um, there's for sale signs. Uh, we see the uh, housing developments are trying to move in. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a graboid, there's graboid themed decorations, there's memorabilia. We do get confirmation from a brief thing that, that Chang said, uh, which is that Earl and Grady successfully opened a graboid theme park. But they're also in perfection, not they, uh, the residents of perfection or people who've taken up residence are working on opening up their own own graboid theme park and it's more of a safari yeah <laughs> uh basically people go and pay a set fee and then they can get the illusion of danger but yeah we, we come to find out the illusion of danger but it's a graboid tour yeah, yeah. there have been no graboid sightings in i think nine or eleven years yeah i think it's eleven years i wanted to say nine eleven. <laughs> <laughs> thanks <laughs> thanks to uh the man, the myth, the legend himself, Bert, has set up seismic yes, uh, seismic fences and things like that, uh, which is totally on brand and also always brings up the question, what does this man do for a living? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Why does he have so much money? Well, it's interesting now. I'm sure by the third, it's now just killing Graboid money. Yeah, I think the second he just, one they went to Argentina. Like they paid him to go to Argentina to that kill. That is true. So now it's just freaking graboid hunting graboid money. Well, he we counted up how much money he actually made in two, and it was quite a bit. So he's hopefully spending it wisely and investing it. But his compound is dope. Like it's state of the art. We especially see that when. El Blanco <laughs> makes her appearance, uh, but we'll get to that. Uh, let's see. So we we do get to see inside Chang's. Um, it's a gift shop now. It's not just a general store. She is she has wor been working on brand awareness, branding. Um, this is well before Facebook and Twitter made it something awful. She's actually got you know projections and how much money she's going to make and how much money she makes if she does certain things with certain people and she's got a deal worked out with the guy who's running the safari it's all really really good to see um you know she's got a good head on her shoulders she's a strong character mm -hmm. um we do also see the in loving memory to walter walter's niece now runs this business so it's definitely staying in the family, which is super nice to mm -hmm. see, too. 
Um, so Bert and jo- uh, Jody, which is the niece, uh, talk and find out that graboids, like Brett mentioned, uh, were extinct in the area and they haven't had any sighting at all. Um, we do meet that new character that does the safari named Jack. Um, again, mentioned the graboid tours, but throughout that tour, we find that it's a fraud. Um, the truck has an off and on switch to help, you know, prevent it from moving to create that illusion. There's like, there's puffs of, um, of I'm assuming just dirt that make it look like a graboid's coming. And so it's, we, yeah, it's a, it's a, isn't it a potato cannon or something? No, it's a, it's just a fire extinguisher. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, just they're firing <laughs> behind like a, like a shrub. Yeah, and so we find this other guy whose name is Buford uh, making fake tremors activity. So um, we kind of, and then that's when we get a small glance into Bird's compound, which is now further fortified to combat not only graboids, but also sh- uh, shriekers. So we kind of see an evolution of his compound, the evolution of the tremors, which is, I found interesting. Um, so then we get a glance of Nancy and Mindy. They're still in perfection. They haven't gone anywhere. Um, and the original actress for Nancy came back for three. So yeah. we got the the same mom, which was nice to see. Um, so the tour finally ends. Everybody gets back into town. And Buford is seen checking out Mindy, which has now obviously grown up and is a very attractive blonde woman now. Um, but super slimy and wanted to make sure that it was known that he is a prevert. Oh, yes. I, I yelled prevert. <laughs> prevert is a better name than pervert. Yeah. He <clears throat> he was gross. He, he was gross. He sucked. Um, there's a handful of people in this one that I, uh, I want to die. Yeah. Yeah. Hoped would get eaten. Hoped would get eaten. (laughs) And the list pretty much got satisfied. I was like, "Mm, I don't like you. (laughs) I hope you get eaten. Sure hope something happens. Sure hope something bad happens to you. They they do pretty well at that. They do pretty well. There's a time we're we're all going to yell about it. Yeah. But you know who Buford reminds me of? What's your favorite bar to drink at in Tulsa? Oh. I'm, my favorite bar to drink at in Tulsa? Yeah. Oh, the Whittier Bar. Whittier. Yeah. Okay. Whittier on amateur night, you'll always see them. It'll be like a couple of guys wearing... They won't be wearing the same jersey, but it's normally a basketball jersey. Yeah. Of their favorite teams. They're, they're both wearing them, and it's how you spot them together. Uh, sometimes they share drinks because they think that it's cheaper. Limp Biscuit. <laughs> they are fans of Limp Biscuit. <laughs> Very much. Uh, they're strikeout kings. But I have seen, I've just gone and watched this archetype of person, and Buford is directly in that. Uh-huh. Go and strike out in the most insane ways. Like I saw one guy got into the conversation stage with a woman and then moved her purse off of the table. And she was like, hey, don't ever touch my purse, which was caused to start an argument. And he was done. Like, yeah. <sighs> it's, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, the accuracy of that character being written. Yes. It was like they were just like, all right, we need to write the most awful, brain dead. Just character that you're just like. Character that you. Ugh. And they just went, okay, 
when we can't write one, let's just go to the bar. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then they named them Buford. They, I'm pretty sure that was his actual name. They yeah. just, they found him and they were like, hey, you want to be in a movie? Can we use your quote unquote likeness except just take everything that you do right now? He was just like, hell yeah, brother, you can. And then they, uh, they put him in the movie and they're like, you just got to flirt with this girl. He's like, do I have any direction? He's like, just do what you normally do, dog. <laughs> yep, yep. We're going to give you a couple Smirnoff ices to get things going. Oh, yeah. You don't have to share them with your friend. Yeah. They're all yours, bud. They're all yours. He went home that night and said, they paid me in Smirnoff ices. <laughs> and I got to talk to a lady, what, with boobs and all. <laughs> Front boobs, too, not just the back boobs. <laughs> Now, we do get to really meet Jack at this time, and I, the first time I saw this movie, I remember being so full of shit and full of myself that I went, mm, he's gonna be Bert's kid, duh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right out the gate. Yeah, and I was wrong. I, I mean, it would have been lazy writing, which is what I was getting at, but that that managed to miss that specific lazy trope. But Jack actually seems to have his shit together. As in spite of what he does for work, he has his shit together. Um, he's getting ready for the next tour, and Bert meets him. There's, there's a mom and son character. The... Uh, mom is somebody... I think it's Michael Gross's sister in it real is. life. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. And so, like, she's, like, this super supportive mom and is like, let me take your picture. Come here, mister. But she says, nice to meet you, Mr. Magoober. <laughs> and then call, calls it a, a tremor. Uh, take a picture with the tremor, which just irritates Bert. That is Michael Gross's actual sister. And I'm oh, sure so it's so great. I'm sure that's based in some reality where they're like, you're that guy who fought tremors. And he's like, well, they're called graboids. And then you inadvertently become the Frankenstein's monster guy. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow more pretentious Frankenstein monsters yeah. guy. <laughs> Which I'm interested to see if maybe because of that 50s monster trope that the movies still kind of like to have. What do you mean? Well, like that. It's just convenient because that was also kind of in the monster horror theme. And that's what they wanted the Tremors movies to be. So it's kind oh, of yeah. funny that he's the Tremor guy and not the Graboid guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's so great. Well, so they go on. They go back on the next tour. Just um, really blow someone's mind. Just be like, actually, it's Bert's monster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we're getting there. <laughs> So they do encounter a real one on this tour. Uh, it's all we know at this point. It is a real graboid and Buford gets fucking eight. Yeah. After he says something that's like really fucking weird. He's just like, he's like throwing his like dollar store Bowie knife into the dirt. Yes. <laughs> like into like a styrofoam, like, lunch pack like a like what you would get from like a food truck and uh she goes can you stop doing that because obviously it's really fucking annoying <laughs> he goes 
I'm trying to remember his exact line, but he goes something like, it's really rude the way you say that. <laughs> and he gets like this like lost eyes, just like, just dead eyed. Yeah. Just, like, I'm going to do something bad now. <laughs> it is. It, it's, it, it's either a flubbed line or it's actually how he is in person. He's like, I just put you on a list in my mind. That's that's the exact like, <laughs> that's tonality. That's the feeling of, you get. Yeah. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> well, so the I and this is when I yelled, the pervert got eight. <laughs> um, and it was a really bad CGI. Our first glimpse of the CGI, and I think CGI, this was the first movie they actually used CGI for the Graboids. Yes, because yes. they used CGI for the Graboids, but they also used footage from the first movie because they had great practical effects. <laughs> but it was just footage they reused from a movie years before that, um, which I think is fun. I mean, it, it does keep the budget low. It, to carry on the plot, I don't care. It's not a mark against it for me. Yeah, and it wasn't a big deal. It's not like you could terribly noticed that it was from the first even though you kind of could and even though michael gross has said this is his favorite movie when he was asked to comment on it he was like you know it's not great it's not terrible but it's definitely a movie that you should watch if you like these movies and that's that speaks volumes to me that he knows that people are going to trash it because it's low budget sci-fi specifically sci-fi channel schlock but we're here for it yeah no i'm here for it every day yeah this is why piranha 3d got made <laughs> yeah people weren't watching that because of their they like piranhas they were watching it because they like seeing topless women get eaten by piranhas yes then there's that one weird biologist who's like man i'm just here for the piranhas <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to see how well they did it <laughs> The boobs were nice, but and then, I'm really here for the red belly piranhas. But actually, they're not red belly piranhas. If you look at the coloration, <laughs> <laughs> shut up. I'm watching boobies. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's see. So everyone does hatch a plan to kill it. They work together, not unlike the first and second movie. And... Let's see. What did we write here? So we find out that um, Rhonda from the first movie has actually now gone and done a bunch of research on them and like actually has very informative books about the Graboids. Yeah. That uh, um, Jody actually sells in the store. So they use that book, of course, for for guidance in this plan. Yeah. And they use the remote control car um, to. What was it dragging? the? Is that how they drag the cans on the chains? Well, yeah, we kind of see old tactics come back so they yeah. know they're, what they're up against. So they're they're very prepared this time. Oh, yeah. But then. Uh oh, the government shows up. <laughs> the government has decided that these are endangered species, which technically they are. But um, come on. You know, I've got opinions on this that I, I think that if dinosaurs were still around but endangered, but every time we went outside there was a risk that you would get eaten by a T-Rex, we'd be out there killing fucking T-Rex. I Yes. More I, than likely. I'm at that stance as well. And then you'd go inside and you'd watch your TikTok account of the one guy who's managed to ride the T-Rex. Like the T-Rex ranch. Oh yeah, it's a, it's a T-Rex ranch and it's... 
the music in the background is like a Katy Perry song. Or it's no, 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 that song. Oh, yeah, that'd be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would definitely, I would see that one. Uh, and then he'd get his arm torn off. Yeah. <laughs> now, you did mention the, the books that are in the shop. Um, alongside that are some comic books. And did you see who published the comic books? No, I didn't. In a nod to the best crossover comic books, they were, of course, Dark Horse Imprint, who published, uh, like, RoboCop and the Terminator and the Alien crossover books. Some of the best fucking crossovers that you can ever imagine were by Dark Horse. Oh, they're incredible. Yes. <laughs> the Predator ones they did were top tier. Absolutely. I Those were the ones that I used to read. I used to beeline for those every time I went to the comic book store. And, like, I think they did Punisher in Archie Comics. They did. They did Punisher. Uh, I think they did a, a short run of Spawn, too. Yes. Yes. Because why not? I was like, they... They slapped. They were great. Uh, so shout out Dark Horse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the, the covers were so dope. I wish those comics actually existed. On it, do they exist? I don't think they do. Oh, that's such a you bummer. Check. But I don't think they do. Now, one last thing. One of the agents is Agent Rusk, who was in the first movie, one of the three road workers who was killed. So the very first movie, they don't show him. He dies off screen, but that was credited to the same guy who played Agent Rusk in the third movie. Yeah, so it's funny that they're still bringing characters back from that first. It's, it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just act. I mean, it's such it's a B movie thing to do, and I love it. Yeah, it's great to see. Um, so then we get we finally get to see more of like Bert's home, as Poe mentioned. Um, but Bert is finally home. We get to see inside. The guns are all back. Everything is fine. Um, and Bert sees activity on a seismograph because, of course, he is well fortified. Then we get another bad CGI shot of the monster, unfortunately, but it was great. Um, we get to see El Blanco come. And it gets right up to, like, we see a concrete barrier in the floor. It gets right up, comes out of the ground. But it doesn't attack. It just kind of wails and then goes back on the ground. Um, but as it's up in the air or kind of exposing itself from the ground, we get an actual kind of Moby Dick moment. Uh, Bert goes up to like is facing this graboid and is like uh, says, call me Ishmael. And I yeah. thought it was cool. And, and it's got all these parallels to Moby Dick, except instead of being one uh, aggressive Example of a normally passive species, it's a very passive example of a normally aggressive and stupid species. So, uh, the white whale was, uh, Moby Dick was very aggressive and he was chased the whole time. Now, El Blanco is chasing Bert. Yes, and we get little glimpses of that out of every experience that we we get a blanco will eventually show up in that scene so and then in the, towards the end which we do talk about we find out why exactly this is happening yeah and he's not trying to eat bert yeah he's actually there's no it didn't seem like there was really any intention to eat yeah or attack no he's just he's just he's just chilling yeah 
he feels uh, compelled to f- follow this man, yeah. <laughs> I guess. Um, we kind of... Would you say that El Blanco... Bert is El Blanco's white whale? Yes. Yeah, actually, actually. yes. <laughs> They're just entwined in a destial dance. That <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> this, this is my fan fiction in my head, so... <laughs> Please write it. Yeah. I would love to read it. Make it filthy. Oh, it's I mean, going to be... Dirty. It's going to be awful. Beginning to end. Beginning to end. It, it just <laughs> opens with... A very aggressive scene where she's just like, if you make it through that, 10 out of 10 You're for good. you. <laughs> <laughs> so we get a glimpse, actually, of Melvin now. We, um... Melvin. Oh yeah. Melvin. Fucking the first, Melvin. From the first movie, Melvin oh. is now, uh, I would assume, in some dude in his fucking 30s. And so we see him come back, and we find out that actually he has been making offers to buy perfection. He is the one trying to get the development into perfection now, the housing development. He's the fucking He's worst. the bad guy. He's the worst. Um, so then that's just kind of what we find out. Then we fast forward a little bit, and um, a graboid manages to uh, shows up, actually. Um, and it finds Bert... And eats Bert whole. So it doesn't mutilate Bert. Bert is eaten whole. So that's the first time that we haven't seen any, like, pure mutilation of a body. Like, because you know if a graboid gets you, you are dead. Because we see your blood coming off, you know. Whoa. <clears throat> yeah. He also did have some per- some protection in that. <laughs> yeah, he did fit himself into a barrel. Which uh, was a very smart idea very last minute as he's getting eaten. Um, so Bert and the Graboid disappear. Uh, Jack's with him and Jack's like, you put, I think he's wearing a a hat. He takes his hat off and we all assume that Bert is dead. Yep. Because it is, Bert has been eaten. And then we hear a call on the radio. Yeah. Super shortly after, Bert gets on the walkie talkie that he still has and, uh, tells Jack a plan to get him out of this graboid. He's still alive, but he doesn't have a lot of oxygen left. Um, so <clears throat> they hatch a plan, and basically the plan is similar to the way that they killed the first one in the first movie, where they drew the monster to a concrete barrier that um, Bert had put around his house, and it's, I mean, it basically just smashed itself to death, like we see in the first movie where they, uh, it was a ravine or something. It was a concrete ravine. Ravine. Yeah. yeah. An Can irrigation you fly, sucker. Yeah. So it, they managed to kill that one the same way. And then Jack manages to just conveniently find a chainsaw and starts just hacking at this graboid to free Bert. Um, and we kind of figured it out with the timing. Bert went with, like, two to three minutes of no air, technically. Yeah, Yeah, because they did it in real time. Yeah. So he was managed to stay alive. Definitely needed air when he got out of the graboid, but we now know that Bert was safe and has been eaten by a graboid, but has lived. Um, We then, after Bert gets out of this graboid, see the doctor that was with the government team from earlier. We see them covered in fire extinguisher um, foam and is slowly making their way closer to the team. And they're like, oh, my God, what happened? Like something obviously did. And 
he they basically infer that the shriekers has killed everybody they he just said it was shrieking it was louding they were screaming and so that was the first sight of shriekers that shriekers had moved to perfection because we did they didn't exist before um so bert informs the town on the walkie-talkie that hey shriekers are now a thing and this is what shriekers are uh here's how to protect yourself so um then all of a sudden El Blanco shows up. We see activity, um, just kind of hangs around, makes their presence known, but doesn't hurt anybody. But they still get to rocks for safety quickly and forget to bring any kind of walkie-talkies. So they kind of decide to wait it out, like we kind of saw in the first one as well. Um, so then, once they uh, decide to wait it out, they're waiting out for a really long time. Yeah, and... Jody and Jack, uh, they kind of flirt back and forth. Uh, and Jody says something to Jack. No, Jack says, don't you ever look up. Okay, now we've had the foreshadowing in every movie so far. Um, like in the last one, uh, I don't think it's going to be a butterfly or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he's talking about how you should look up at the clouds, and it's honestly it's some nonsense, uh, kind of pseudo hippie bullshit. Yeah, Jody, I think there was like, well, have you know, I'm so busy, I'm just doing this, I'm doing that. So it was kind of like a take time and smell the roses kind of a thing. Yeah, but it was more foreshadowing to the story. Like, don't you ever look up? Yeah, and. There, it also introduces, sorry, this is one of those things that bothers me. And I was I, watching this movie so many times. It introduces like a weird, like capitalist, like, like love interest story where he's like, he's like, well, I ended up, I, I he ended up like getting food from someone else that wasn't her. And she is just so hurt. Pissed, yeah. Pissed that he would go to someone else. So it's like this weird, like, you know I got a thing for you, but you're going and getting food from someone else. <laughs> and it's this weird <laughs> love I, story. Yeah, we had it. I thought we had an exclusive contract. Thought, like, <laughs> Well, even deeper than that. So at one point, he goes to get a beer. I think it's a beer. Yeah, it's a beer. And and she, he's like, well, I basically paid for it. And she said, well, actually, you paid this much and has the actual numbers pulled up on her, on her little clamshell MacBook. <laughs> and she, it shows that he, because I think he guessed, I bring your revenue up 50%. Yeah. And she's like, the actual number is this. So it's that exact trope of, of, She's got her shit together. He doesn't. But can they live without each other? We'll see. That's exactly what it is. And I was like, this is weird. And it is weird to, to for her to be mad that he found a cheaper source for... <laughs> what was the food, even? I, I can't even remember at this point. Uh, I mean, nothing to, like, be that mad about. Yeah, it, you know? it, it was like, like snacks. Yeah. <laughs> it was snacks that he sold for like a dollar. Yeah. On yeah. his Graboid adventure 
safari ride. And it was a weird place to put a romance like that because we hadn't seen anything. There was no hint. We don't know these characters from before. And all, all of a sudden, like, oh, well, this is obviously going to be the love interest in this movie now. Yeah. But it also introduces, dun, 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 a three-way love triangle. <gasps> Maybe. It does. It really does. <laughs> it does. It, it's such a small, and it's such a weird one, because it's only, like, one-sided. Right. <laughs> because, uh, was it Mindy? Mindy. Mindy. Mindy was like, he just always goes after those older women. I was like, where did you come from? Yeah. Yeah, all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, I thought like you weren't bitch. interested in anybody. You hate everything. You, you hate everything. To... <laughs> Why are you interjecting into this? Go yeah. away. <laughs> You've been complaining that you have to work at Arby's and Bixby. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Miguel shows up. Homeboy. Miguel. Homeboy Miguel. Uh-huh, yeah, they, Miguel is one of the characters now on the rocks. Yes. With everybody. And he tells Bert that El Blanco is following him. Uh, Miguel, does he does he pole vault? To... He doesn't pole vault. He finds a stick and some tape and manages. That's right. Yeah. yeah. No, it's uh, it's dental floss. Oh yeah, because he's like I always carry dental floss. Yeah, because yes, because Bert, Bert was like. Where'd you get that? He's like, I always carry dental floss on me. And Bert's just like, my boy. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> proud. <laughs> uh, but he gets a walkie-talkie. And uh, Bert and Mindy play the CD player into the walkie-talkie, luring El Blanco away. Because El Blanco is intelligent, but not that intelligent. It's still relative. Still a graboid, so the sound of that made El Blanco go away. And then they start hunting for shriekers. Do you want to you want to go with this? Yeah. So they are like, OK, well, now, obviously, we have a bigger problem on our hands. So now we need a plan to um, for the shriekers. So they throw the bomb and it's the bomb. Uh, they hear activity behind them. So they're like, well, we have to figure out what that was. And so they throw a bomb very similar to what they were throwing in the first one, you know, a regular old pipe bomb. Yeah. Um, and then when they find, once the bomb goes off, they go around and find that there aren't any actual, like, carcasses. There was no blood and guts. All they found were the skin sheds of said shriekers. And I have a fun fact for this. Okay. That leads back to the first movie, which is also one of my favorite lines in the first movie. So in that scene, they were actually supposed to have his cannon. Yes. From the first movie... Where he goes, we gotta go back, we gotta go back to my house so I can get my cannon fuse. And he goes, why do you have cannon fuse? For my cannon. For my cannon. <laughs> and I guess maybe due to budgets or how it was going to be shot, it didn't make it into th- into the scene. But that was supposed to be a cannon and not a pipe bomb thrown into the ridge. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking amazing. Um, so. Uh, Shriekers were actually, and this is just a fact about that particular thing. Shriekers weren't actually ever seen in the movie. They only were ever heard about, and the only the skin was really the only evidence that we saw physically of the shriekers in perfection. Yeah. Um. So they decide to regroup now that they've see that you know obviously something has happened. We now have a new step in this process. Um. Uh, they realize that their truck is now upside upside down and on fire. Um, so they're like, well, what the fuck was that? Um, 
Then we get a glimpse of a new monster. We now see this new monster and they kind of come to the evolution where it's like a 24 hour evolution. Every 24 hours, this monster now becomes something else. Um, so unfortunately the monster finds them and they somehow Miguel falls. Unfortunately, we see Miguel fall off of the cliff and that is where we see, I would say our first casually technically not be eaten by oh. some kind of graboid or injured by some kind of graboid. The ass blaster shakes his little tuchus and flies into the air. Yeah. Yeah. So then now we see this evolution now have heat sensors and flames out of its ass so it can then glide or fly. And so it yeah. makes its way up. Makes its way up. Dive bombs Miguel. They and shoot Miguel it. Falls. And Miguel makes contact with the ass blaster and is knocked from the ridge. Sadly, ending his life. R.I.P. Miguel. Miguel. They did him fucking dirty. They did him fucking dirty. I'm going to die on that hill. <laughs> yeah. Miguel deserved so much better. He was a sweetheart. And he, the only thing he wanted to do was protect his cattle. Yes. And his, kill him. his death scene is the. It is the cheapest shot in this whole fucking movie because they took just a frame of the man standing and then superimpose that over f- the footage of the cliff and just moved the frame like <laughs> like old school uh cell sh- cell sh- uh animation where it's just like the just a puppet of Miguel just goes ah and then <clears throat> i love it so much um it's very similar to the graboid flying out of the cliff in the first movie uh-huh yeah, that's a good one. It, it just falls. <laughs> it just <laughs> it's falls. It's fucking great. So because they shot it, they see it on the ground and notice that there, the liquids that it is seeping are like flammable. It's catching fire. It's hitting the oxygen and setting on fire. So they realize, oh, well, that's how they are able to fucking get a boost and are able to glide. Um, so really quickly, Bert gets on and says, hey, we got something new coming our way. And Mindy and Nancy are now on the roof. Um, And as they're being told what they are, they actually get attacked. So we do find out that there are technically, I guess, four life cycles of a Graboid. They start out as a Graboid. They turn into a Shrieker. Then they're an Ass Blaster. And then from the Ass Blaster, they turn back into a Graboid. Mm -hmm. So that's an interesting... We now have the full um, life cycle. Um... The because we find out that the one that they did kill had babies it had eggs in it and they were graboid eggs specifically Um, so they did manage to kill that one that killed Miguel which again was kind of a good justice I feel like yeah yeah um, well, they couldn't take, let take, it live. Take, yeah, absolutely not. Not when you take down not Miguel. Not after that. Um, so then they're like, okay, well, what do we name this new thing? Like, you know, they go over lots of different names. Oh, what is it? What was the first one? Uh, uh, but some, butt was, flamers or something it was a like butt that. Butt flamers. <laughs> like, and then they excitedly go. Ass blasters. Yeah, so Jody uh, coined the name for them. She was just like, "Well, how about ass blaster?" And then just went ass blaster, ass blaster, like many times after that. So many times. And so it I was like pooty shooties, pooty shooties, <laughs> pooty shooties. <laughs> so I like fart flamers. Fart flamers is good. Oh my god. 
Um, uh, but Jody is the one that names that particular cycle, well, which Chang is what named Chang named the Graboid originally. So it kind of follows in that family tradition. <clears throat> Sorry about that. What do you think if Chang was still alive? What do you think Chang would have named a shrieker? An ass blast. Oh, a shrieker. A shrieker. A shrieker. Oh. I was like, that's this. I was like, man. I don't care. Just make it shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, he hated him. He would have hated the noise. Oh, he would have hated him. Um. We would have called them like, why don't we call them Melvins? <laughs> yeah, actually. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I hereby propose all Shriekers are now called Melvins. Yeah, that's what Chang would have. Yeah. I've, I just feel like it would be something that funny and mean at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we do, th- we do get a run to Bert's compound, uh, uh, which is not ass blaster proof. It's shrieker proof. And graboid proof. And graboid proof. He's gone around the compound with chain link fence. He's gone below the compound with the steel reinforced concrete underground walls. But above, huh? He's stucco fucked. roofs. Regular old stucco. roof. Just goddamn stucco. <laughs> it's barely even covered for rain. <laughs> uh, they do lock themselves in the safe room. Um, but the ass don't blasters don't get any guns. Yeah, they don't they get any don't. guns. I don't think they have time because it crashes in on them. And it they crashes have in to like get... right in front of the guns. Yeah, it's that barrier. And they're so close. They're so close to the guns, but just can't do it. And then they lock themselves in a safe room, which seems like a really great idea. Well, yeah, a safe room is intended to keep you safe. Keep you safe, but. Opa ass blaster style starts melting the door with yeah. his ass juices. Yeah, eventually it's literally how you get through those doors. It's a torch out of his butt. <laughs> you can just do that. He's melting the door down. And that's what he does. He does that. Um, I mean, you start to then Jake and Jody escape. Um, Bert uses the gas to blow up the whole compound. Uh, oh, because he's afraid that it's going to eat his food and multiply. Yeah, because that's is how what shri- happened with shriekers. Shriekers multiply when they eat. But then he it finds makes out sense. it does. But he was denied critical need to know information <laughs> because it's a new species. It's an and well, a new evolution. The new evolution will actually just fall asleep. Yeah, when they, it just, eats a they, whole did, they just they uh, just they they get. They get food comas apparently super easy. Like yeah. two they, hams will put them under. Not, not even, not even I think three. It was f- yeah, and they of course they, they it helped when they were microwaved, but yeah. yeah. Three hams will kill him. <laughs> three hams will kill him. Please don't feed him. Three hams. <laughs> so, blows up the compound to save a potential. Threat. Nightmare mode. Yes. Yeah, so Mindy and Nancy decided to get on the walkie-talkie and are like, "Hey, just feed it. We fed one, and it's now sleep. Food helps them go to sleep." And then Bert just breaks. That's the best way that I can put it. Yeah. Yeah. No, he just falls down. He's like, no, "I'm done." Yeah. Falls mm-hmm. down. No words. Blank expression. Uh, Jody can't get him to say anything. Um, and then he realizes. 
he gets he's like all of my MREs gone. I have no guns. I have no ammo. So now Bert's world is just crashing in on him. And, an, and another amazing line where he goes, what kind of cruel creator gives someone this kind of, um, what kind of cruel creator gives, gives someone this kind of irony? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but due to that very loud sound, they get surrounded by a ton of ass blasters. Of course. <laughs> so now they know where they're at. Um, but just very conveniently, there is a boat with a tarp over it just hanging out close by. So they're like, let's get in the boat. I'll push. We'll use the tarp to hide our signature. Our heat signature. We'll get back to town. They get all the way basically into town. They hit a pole and realize that there is now an ass blaster right above them. Um, they uh, somehow managed to get away, but now they're in this... I don't even know what to call it. I want to call it a junkyard in the desert, because that's what it was. It, it looks was like a junkyard. Metal, there are building parts. It's like a bunch of old trailers. trailers. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a junkyard. It's a scrapyard. Yeah, so there's one nearby, and then they managed to throw something on the one that was actively pursuing them. So it stops moving, presumably dead. Um, okay. Wasn't it like a fridge? I think a fridge or just a big metal heavy something yeah. that they tipped yeah, it was, over. It was like it was something like that. It was like they just knock it over onto it and kill it. And they're like, woo, we did Woo-hoo. it. We killed one. Now, without any weaponry, they have to improvise. Uh, potato gun. Now, it blows my mind that Bert has never experienced a potato gun. I grew up with potato guns. Poe, I, I know you did. Oh, I, yeah, I built one that was supersized and... This is a off-topic one, but my potato gun uh, shot naval oranges. Okay. And it was metal. Yeah. And I used acetylene gas. Of course. Uh, because I had access to it, and I fired that thing a couple times. And later on, our neighborhood newspaper thing that was put out, uh, people were complaining that. People were randomly vandalizing houses with oranges in the next neighborhood over. <laughs> yeah. Can you vandalize so a house with an orange? You can if it's moving like 60 miles an hour. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Mine was, uh, so I didn't like having to get the fuel air mixture right every time. We were using, we tried using like the, um, the Aquanet hairspray from Dollar Tree. It's good stuff. And it's good, but also your potatoes might be on fire when they fly out of it. So That's it's fine. a lot less safe. Nah. So we upgraded <laughs> to uh, to the Sure Shot um, solenoid sprinkler valve and compressed air in a compression tank. Ooh. So, and we could launch ping pong balls at each other, which still hurt like a bitch, or golf balls. Oh, God. Um, and the golf balls would, uh, I mean, if you shot a window, it was, the window didn't even slow it down. No. And we would just launch them into parking lots and watch them bounce and then hear people curse. Like, because <laughs> they bounce really well. Yeah, I'm sure. So you yeah, just get a far. good arc uh, off of the, you know, back porch or whatever into the parking lot and you just hear, God 
damn, ow, god, ow, god damn it, another dent. And, and um, yeah, so that, and then uh, confetti. Oh, you confetti could launch a fun. lot of confetti. Oh, God. Um, I, I did use that uh, naval orange cannon um, the first time I ever used it, not knowing exactly how powerful it was because I'm an idiot kid at the time. <laughs> and uh, my parents just got a brand new fence and fired it straight uh, right through the fence. <laughs> just took out two really expensive slats. <laughs> Uh, and then I blamed my dog. <laughs> I was like, the dog just went crazy and punched a hole through the fence. <laughs> Poor dog. He was chasing an orange. Was- <laughs> <laughs> now there's, there's isn't, um, isn't perfect, but Bert has no experience in potato guns. His line is something like, I made my BB gun full auto, like not possible, but a, <laughs> It, it's yeah, apparently, fine. Apparently he made his BB gun full auto when he was like seven. Yeah. Which is terrifying. Yeah, but like, how does that even work with what I assume is a spring-powered BB gun? It's In, Bert. Unless he had a CO2 BB gun. You know what? It's not, it doesn't matter. He's a, it doesn't matter. He it's is character a legend. work. Yeah. He does it. He, he was, he is genius level weaponsmith at Age seven. I mean, with the semi-auto, you could just file down the sear or something. But yeah. if it's lever action, you still gotta cock that lever. Uh, he's he's he 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 figured it out. He was forging his own parts. <laughs> Must have been. But uh, they they make one that has a laser sight, which is impressive. <laughs> I think it is. Uh, it's whiskey powered. Yeah, right. It moonshine. Is moonshine. Because they found some moonshine in the in the trailer. Uh. Uh, what was his name? Old man. It was, uh, he was from the first movie. Yeah. Wasn't it the farmer? No, it, old man something. Ah, why is this going to do this now? <laughs> why is this going to do this now? He, the guy who was stuck up the telephone pole. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's interesting. Yeah. But. He was like, he really loved his moonshine. The little thing that they used to light it, the touch hole is what they call it. Um, is like a, uh, not a spigot. It's a, it's a nozzle. It's a hose nozzle, like from a garden hose. Yeah. Yeah. Everything fits perfectly together. The parts just so happen to be laying around. They all fit around. perfect. But I mean, honestly, that as a touch hole is really smart because that is a valve. Um, and then they make really great valves okay. for other things, but it's all kind of silly and I love it. Um, especially the fact that it is a laser sight <laughs> for a potato gun, and then they put fire arrows in it. <laughs> it was old man Fred. Old, old man, man Fred. Fred. Yeah. Old man Fred loved his moonshine. And so they shoot the ass blaster right in his fire bussy, <laughs> and they blow it up. And they blow him up. <laughs> uh, the first one gets killed, but. The second one adapts, uh-huh. and so you they are dodge. adaptable. He dodges, um, but they do eventually kill them all. Then the first one, the one that got the thing knocked on him, he gets up, and he attacks him, and then El Blanco shows up. <laughs> this is the ultimate showdown. Yeah. Uh, and 
Bert is stuck. Um, they figure out that the thing that it's following is Bert's watch. Yeah, which he got from the Argentinian government as payment, and it was like... It's an ultrasonic watch. Super accurate to the T, but it is yep. an ultrasonic watch, and that is why El Blanco has been following Bert this entire time. Yeah, because yeah. he can just hear him. He, yeah. it's, like a, it's like a dog whistle for it's a, a ground boy. It's just, he's a snake charmer. Yeah. 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 He's yeah. the Pied Piper of <laughs> giant turd monsters. Yeah. <laughs> Giant penis monsters, thank you very much. Well, it's Pen a turd with penises for tongues. Okay, yeah. that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Poe. You're welcome. That's why uh, I'm here. <laughs> Jack throws the watch on an ass blaster and El Blanco eats it, which is amazing. Yeah, on a tape ball. Yeah, that the, he uses is... from his pants that Mindy quote-unquote fixed because that's how they like it now. They don't do sewing. They that's do how they wear it tape. in Bixby. I did wear a lot of duct tape in the 90s. <laughs> Yeah, all right, I'll give him that. Yep. Yeah. But I'm sorry. I will say this. <laughs> They're rolling around in the dirt all the time. Have you ever... This This is my one complaint, and it's such a trivial, weird complaint. Have you ever tried to get duct tape to stick to anything that's mildly dusty? No. Yes. Yeah, it does not work. It does not work. That tape ball hits him and holds on with the strength of Lou Ferrigno. Just like... <laughs> Clunk. It's like, like whack, it just sticks. And you're like, that's bullshit. And, and I hate that that's what I'm calling bullshit on. <laughs> of everything, it's the stickiness of the, the stickiness duct tape. of the duct tape. I'm and like, that's watch. unrealistic. Not the flying ass monsters. <laughs> but it's, it's great. So then El Blanco retreats, and they're like, hey, let's get out of here before El Blanco comes back. So then we basically get to the closing scene. We um, see Mindy and Nancy in the store. They're getting offers for the ass blaster that they caught. They have a Las Vegas is on the phone and then some some other states on the phone. And then they go back to the Vegas and are like, all right, Siegfried and Roy, it's all yours. And I thought that was fucking funny. And that is one of them. That is chronologically before Roy Horn got attacked by one of his own tigers. Imagine what an ass blaster would have done. <laughs> I know, that was my Melted his face off. That, that would have been funny. So many Not skin grafts. But like Katie Couric would have had to say the word fart on the Today Show and it would have been the best. <laughs> I'm just saying there's so many things that could have happened that would have made that day so special to me. A Barbara yeah. Walters interview and she says ass blaster. Uh, hearing Barbara <laughs> Walters say ass blasters at least ass 30. Ass blaster. <laughs> <laughs> Rivera would have been there. Boy Horn, you are here to talk about your brush with an ass blaster. <laughs> would you like to tell us your story? Very good. He's talking out half his face because the other half is like <laughs> just glued up. It farted on me. <laughs> and when it went in the, uh, the show was call, it calls for a fart stage left, but he was farted stage right. <laughs> I don't know what accent he has. Are they, are they German? They're probably German. <laughs> Which is, oh God, even worse. Yeah. The, the show calls for effort to be stage left, but he missed his cue and farted stage right. And now I have to 
look and sound like a Terminator <laughs> for the rest of my life. Oh my god. Oh no. So oh no. <laughs> we then get a glimpse of Jack and Jody. Uh, Jack's getting more supplies and is like, I'm gonna go uh, <coughs> just hang out. Do you want to? And Jody's like, no, I'm just so busy. I can't. I have all this stuff. And Jack's like, hey, yo, let's go look up at the clouds. And Jody's like, Okay, you got me, and gets in the car, and then they go off and do. Oh no! But it's so much weirder than see, that. And then we see. It's so much weirder than that because <laughs> she goes, she goes like, "I love this. I love it so much." She goes, "We have clouds right here." <laughs> and he's like, I "Don't need to drive anywhere." But these are special clouds, and she goes, "Okay." <laughs> that means they're gonna fuck. <laughs> He's talking special about his clouds. special pillowy white ass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they drive off, um, and then we get an image of Bert, who I described it as literally playing with El Blanco. They, um, Bert now has the watch back somehow. I think he just bought one. He might have bought another yeah, one, I would assume. Um, on a remote control car, and is just like... Zooming around with it. Now Blanco's just kind of like following it like a little puppy. And so they're having their fun time. And then Melvin comes into the scene and is like, yo, Bert, you should sell your shit. Like everybody else is doing it. And Bert's like, um, actually, this is protected land due to this gravel in here. So you can kindly fuck off. El, and then El Blanco jumps. emerges from the ground. <laughs> it's he jumps off the rock. Leaves Melvin on the rock um, with El Blanco, and then we get a black scene, and <laughs> we yep. hear Melvin yelling and calling Bert names as he drives away. So he's like, you redneck son of a bitch, how fucking dare you? Well, I don't see, he can't say fucking, but he's like, how dare you leave me up here? And El Blanco's just kind of like circling he's Melvin. He's like, I hate your hat. Yeah. That's the last one. I hate your hat. <laughs> That's the last one. It's incredible. I like to think that Melvin, after the fact, got hentied by El Blanco. <laughs> you know, that's in the after credits. I should have stayed till the end. Yeah, you got to stay to the very end. It gets real dark. I'm surprised it kept its PG rating, honestly. Yeah, yep, yep. Not many people stayed to the end. They sh he shabarried him with the tongues. Yeah. It was, it was wild. <laughs> there was penetration. There was so much. <laughs> and so I actually looked into um, if we could interview the guy who played Melvin. And he doesn't, he's not super active on, uh, like, in the Tremors fan community. But if anybody knows him, hey, get us in touch. We're at podcastingtoperfection at gmail.com. You guys, we've made it through another episode. Um, we love our guest Poe here so much. Uh, Poe, do you got anything coming up? Uh, no, I don't have anything coming up. Um, if you're in the, the Tulsa area, uh, Starlight Open Mic is probably where you'll see me next. Uh, it's a 10 out of 10 rompous good time. I host it with my friend Laura Cook. Yeah, you can uh, you can come see me and say that I look like a serial killer. Please a hot, don't. A hot serial killer. That's a joke. Please don't do that. Uh, it makes me feel really weird. 
Poe is very attractive. Uh, so just just buy just buy hi, them a drink. Know? Just say hi. <laughs> just say hi. And if if you think I'm attractive, just say hey. I think you're attractive. Um, if you say I look like Jeffrey Dahmer, I'm probably not going to talk to you. Um, <laughs> you will take the drink. I will take the drink though, uh, because I'm poor. <laughs> But I will do it with indignity. <laughs> give Poe some money. <laughs> All right. And give us some money. Uh, just send it. Uh, can you email money? Podcasting to perfection at gmail.com. <laughs> anyway, we love you. We're going to call it for a night. Thanks for coming. Bye.